cases of post-operative pneumonia or aspiration pneumonia in your veterinary practice? Have you wondered what factors might predispose your canine patients to developing post-operative respiratory complications? In people, there are a number of risk factors for aspiration pneumonia in the peri and post-operative period that include increased age, comorbidities, pre-existing pulmonary disease, immobility, decreased consciousness, analgesia, and gastrointestinal problems like motility disorders, increased gastric acid, esophageal disease, among others. In our veterinary patients, we don't know as much about these risk factors since only a handful of studies exist. So Java and all out of University of Pennsylvania wanted to look at the incidence of and risk factors for post-operative pneumonia in dogs anesthetized for the diagnosis or treatment of intervertebral disc disease, what we'll call IVDD from now on. They retrospectively evaluated a total of 707 dogs in the study from two different time periods, 1992 to 1996 and 2002 to 2006. Of the 707 dogs included in the study, 338 dogs were from between 1992 and 1996, and 369 dogs were between 2002 and 2006. The study then compared results between the early and late study groups. Overall, they found that 0.6% of dogs anesthetized in the early group developed postoperative pneumonia, while 4.6% of dogs anesthetized in the later group developed postoperative pneumonia. The incidence of postoperative pneumonia was significantly higher during the latter study period. They also found that the use of MRI and CT were used significantly more, and hemilaminectomy was performed significantly more in the latter study group. The number of anesthetic periods was also significantly higher, and duration of hospitalization was significantly longer in the latter study period. The study also found there was a significantly higher incidence of pneumonia in dogs that were anesthetized more than once compared to those that were anesthetized just once, 8% compared to 0% in the earlier study group versus 18% compared to 3% in the latter study period. Dogs that were anesthetized more than once were 7.8 times more likely to develop postoperative pneumonia. The study also found that dogs that had cervical lesions had a significantly higher incidence of postoperative pneumonia at 9% compared to 1% with thoracolumbar lesions or 2% with lumbosacral lesions. Dogs with cervical lesions were 6.6 times more likely to develop postoperative pneumonia and were significantly more likely to be anesthetized more than once. Dogs with cervical lesions were significantly more likely to develop postoperative pneumonia if they had undergone anesthesia, again, more than once, 24%, than if they underwent general anesthesia only once, 3%. Dogs with cervical lesions in the latter study period were 6.8 times more likely to develop postoperative pneumonia, 16%, compared to dogs in the early study period, 3%. Dogs that underwent MRI were also significantly more likely to develop postoperative pneumonia, 13%, compared to dogs that underwent myelography or CT, 2%. Dogs that underwent MRI were 7.9 times more likely to develop postoperative pneumonia. Among dogs that were anesthetized only once, dogs that underwent MRI were significantly more likely to develop postoperative pneumonia, 12.5%, compared to 1%. Dogs that had anesthesia only once for MRI were 12.6 times more likely to develop postoperative pneumonia. 
for dogs that had general anesthesia more than once, there was no significant difference in dogs that underwent MRI compared to other diagnostic modalities, 13% compared to 17%. In other words, it's not the MRI itself that's making dogs aspirate. Overall, this study found that there was no significant differences in age, sex, body weight, ASA, physical status score, or post-operative body temperature between affected and control dogs. Dogs that vomited or regurgitated after general anesthesia were significantly more likely to develop post-operative pneumonia compared to those that didn't. Makes sense. This study also found that dogs with tetraparesis prior to anesthesia were almost 18 times more likely to develop post-operative pneumonia. Dogs with post-operative pneumonia were significantly more likely to have undergone more than one general anesthetic episode and more likely to have cervical lesions compared to other lesions. For those of you guys wanting to blame it on the pre-medications, there was no significant differences between groups regarding drugs administered during the first general anesthesia. That said, when it came to a second general anesthesia, dogs that developed postoperative pneumonia were significantly more likely to have received hydromorphone than control drugs. Dogs that received fentanyl were significantly less likely to develop postoperative pneumonia. The incidence of postoperative pneumonia in dogs anesthetized for IVDD diagnosis or treatment increased between the two time periods. Risk factors for postoperative pneumonia included more than one general anesthesia, longer duration of the first anesthetic procedure, having an MRI, a cervical lesion, tetraparesis prior to general anesthesia, or vomiting or regurgitation after general anesthesia. What are the pros and cons of the study? Overall, this was a pretty large study by veterinary standards with good methods and a nice comparison at two time points. However, it was a retrospective study which makes it difficult to make conclusions about some of the risk factors since it may have been difficult to glean all of the information from all of the medical records. That said, what can we take from this Vet Girl podcast? The incidence of postoperative pneumonia may be increasing, partially due to longer anesthesia times due to time of advanced diagnostics, or multiple anesthesias in dogs with IVDD. Clinically, what do we do differently? If you're anesthetizing a dog for diagnosis or treatment of IVDD or any other procedure, be aware of the risk factors for post-operative aspiration pneumonia and make sure to monitor your patient carefully in this post-operative period. Vet girls hints? If you're giving hydromorphone as a pre-medication, know it's a cervical lesion, know your patient is going to have a long anesthesia, I'd recommend giving a potent antimedic like moropotent, serenia, Dancitron, Dilazitron, or anything as part of your pre-med.